News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkist podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Harry Siegel, here with Dr. Christina Greer and Katie Ona for a budget special. Hello, guys. Hi, Harry. This is Wednesday morning, Tuesday evening. Governor Hochul and Mayor Adams both released proposals for the coming fiscal year, at the same time, pretty much, while holding the overall increase in state spending to 2%, the governor is offering maybe $500 million more to help pay for housing and services for migrants, while the mayor, notably, is projecting a whole lot more money, including tax revenue, than previously expected, just two months after he announced big across-the-board cuts that would have meant canceling police, classes, uh, police academy classes, fewer firemen, fewer uh, trash containers, and so on, all of which he's since reversed. Uh, because two months ago, he said there was going to be less money coming in than projected. Adams flooding the zone, not only put out his budget on Tuesday afternoon, but also the list of donors to his new legal defense fund, which includes Mike Bloomberg, gave the maximum 5K, and the latest list of donors to his 2025 campaign. So Katie's been covering all of this. We've got lots to dig into. Let's jump right in. Chrissy. Libraries are still going to be closed on Sundays, but Adam says, thanks to his brand new, much rosier projections and his administration's fiscal discipline, according to him, basically meaning spending less per migrant, uh, he says there won't be more cuts that would cause libraries to now lose Saturday service. So play critic for a minute. What's happening in this play where the mayor seems to be casting himself as Santa and the Grinch? Right. Yeah, I just, I'm like, we gotta, <laughs> let me just, let me rephrase. So it seems the mayor just can't decide what line in the sand he wants to to draw, right? So we know that this mayor is like, this city is the most dangerous city hellscape on the planet. It's the safest city in the world because I'm the mayor, right? So we constantly get this kind of two sides of the mayor. I'm so curious to see what the internal polling has looked like in these past few weeks, just because obviously closing libraries is a terrible idea, not just from a policy perspective, from a political perspective, it's a bad idea. All different types of families use libraries class-wise, voters, non-voters, various, you know, racial and ethnic uh, groups, serious, you know, wealthy folks use libraries, non-wealthy folks use libraries. So... With this mayor, who I think has been, in the past, very good at politics, the library fight, and and Katie will help us dissect the budget fight, but the library will fight I? just... <laughs> listen, I have full faith in me, because it can't be me. Um, I, I still don't understand money fully. I just always think about my AP econ teacher. I'm like, let's just print more money. And he's like, Chrissy, if you say that one more time. And then I went to Zimbabwe, and I finally got it. But anyway, so... I got I one tiny piece of math to throw in. This I get. The cut that ended Sunday service, right, which is not being restored, Adams is like, I've saved Saturdays, is 15% of what the NYPD spent on overtime for train patrols alone. Just to put that number in some perspective. We can never compare budgets to NYPD. We can never compare 
American budgets to military because we'll just all spontaneously get nosebleeds and our heads will explode because all we do is give money to these paramilitary organizations for this, like, fear of, like, oh, we need it for safety. If we compared our budgets, education, library, whatever it is to NYPD, we would go insane because we know that the NYPD has tons of money for gadgets and toys. We know that we consistently see... If I see one more NYPD officer playing Candy Crush on their phone... At a subway stop, I'm going to go insane. So we don't have money for Sunday service. He's sort of taken away money for Saturday service, and then, you know, the benevolent Lord has given it back to us, even though he didn't need to. But we know that, as I've, we've said from day one, I've, I've said, Eric Adams' default setting is as a police officer, right? First week, he was wearing the mayor jacket. We get it. You're a cop. So if it's ever going to be us or the cops, we're going to lose. So parents who need library services will never get as much money or resources as police officers. That's not just New York City. That's just cities across the country. Cops always tend to get it because, especially for black mayors, you don't want to be seen as, like, soft on crime. You don't want to sort of have this narrative, which tends to follow black mayors explicitly, about, you know, cities being unsafe, dot, dot, dot. So, yeah, the cops are always going to get toys and lots of cash, especially cash for overtime. When it comes to this particular library situation, though, I mean, Adams, per usual, though, is fixing a problem that he caused. So it's, you know, we've seen this before with him where it's just like, this is an issue that I have created. de Blasio did a little bit of this, too. And then it's like, I'm swooping in to save the day and give you all Saturday service. It's like, well, but you were about to take it away, so I don't understand what you're giving me. You know, it's sort of like... Katie will like this reference. Like when the Gap would like jack up their prices, then it's like 50% off. It's like, it's not a sale. You literally just double the price. You got to attract the, like, you got to attract the prices on stuff. But go ahead. We, now you're talking about my link shopping. <laughs> it's like, Katie will get this. Um, so, you know, with this mayor, I think we, we can look at various budget line items. But Harry, to your point, I don't think that we could ever compare it to what he is and is not doing with the NYPD. At the end of the day, he knows whether these cops vote for him or not. He's never going to set himself up to be in a situation that de Blasio was in and gets back turned on him. Um, and he's going to make sure that they're happy because that's his default setting. If I could chime, so we're filming this on Wednesday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Tuesday, it really was. And I, I usually hate when reporters complain like this because, you know, when it's like, there's too much news. And I'm like, come on, it's sort of the job. But yesterday, I will say had too much going on. We had the state budget. We had the city budget. We had um, the mayor's legal defense trust release. So a list of people who gave. And then also the mayor's um, end of 2023 fundraising hall numbers release, right? And then in addition to other people who had raised money announcing they were running, um, then two cops got shot. Um, I was kind of waiting for like a steam pipe explosion or something to happen, Uh but yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to the budget, um, we kind of saw this last week, right? The mayor started these daily press conferences announcing, oh, that cut, it's not a cut anymore. Um, you know, I had asked him because one cut I'd written about at the city was canceling the POP program, which is a work training program run through HRA, but working mainly and predominantly through the parks department, although the sanitation department had someone, you know, they trained people to work. And that was the bulk of the parks department's maintenance and cleaning staff. So he canceled this program in November. DC 37 sues because they were union workers. They weren't notified. They bring this program back. At that press conference, I asked, 
you know, is it a little confusing? What's your message for New Yorkers who are a little confused? He said New Yorkers aren't confused. I wanted to say I'm a New Yorker and I'm confused. I think there's a TikTok sound that says you're confused, man. I'm confused. <laughs> and they still, even though they've been asked every which way and every kind of way you can ask it since last week, both the mayor and Jock Jihad's budget director, where did this money come from? It's still not fully there, right? Revenue projections are higher than they expected, right? Okay. So the the speed camera tickets I got at the beginning of the year, and I wanted to jump out the window for it. Does that help? You know, like, you know, because that's one of the reasons it's fines, tickets, that kind of thing. Um, the tax revenue was higher than expected. Okay. Um, and I think the mayor also wants it to not just be like, we miscalculated. He wants the story to also be that their management in, and I will say to his credit, since he took office, he has sort of started to rein in some of the spending and some of these pegs. Look, it's not like he reversed every peg. You know, you look at the sanitation department for an, as an example, some the, of the, the programs pegs, by the cut. way, just being the required mid-year budget cuts. Uh, that, that Adams is using and where he has a little more strength because in the middle of the year, the council, which negotiates the budget with him, can't do as much ab uh, about those because it's the mayor who's actually spending the money, just in brief. Yeah, right, right. And I just think looking at the sanitation department, lot cleaning is still, there's a lot of stuff that is still cut. Um, but I, yeah, I think people are confused and um, we still have out your budget gaps. Obviously, and I think a lot of the spending also comes from significantly reducing the cost, the daily cost to take care of asylum seekers, evicting people from shelters, sending them out on their own. And obviously that was a significant um, budget cost. But yeah, looking at the other thing, the mayor said he might cancel planned April cuts if the state comes through with enough aid for asylum seekers. Yeah, I mean, the mayor wants his, and, and I think there's... Um, Politico has a good analysis. Joe Nuda has a good analysis today of, of, okay, so part of the strategy of of sounding this alarm of, oh, the city doesn't have any money, part of that, I believe, was strategically to get more money from the state and the feds. But if now you're saying, now we're good, what does that do? But I, I think part of that also might be because, as the mayor has said multiple times, the Calvary is not coming. So I think once he realized, like, I'm not getting the money, I don't have to I don't have to kind of posture that we're broke. I do want to make one other point. And it was a slight change. And I have to look at because I wrote it down. Um, it was a slight change. You know, the mayor, he ran on this public safety. The first two years of office have really been focused on public safety, public safety, public safety. Um, public safety is the prerequisite to prosperity. Or prosperity, that's, yeah. That's I'm trying to remember it all. But today... On New York One, he introduced what to me was a new phrase of his budget priorities. He said, we have focused on people, public spaces, and public safety, making a little bit of a tongue twister. So I think that might be a shift in what he's focusing on. And of course, cleanliness. And he's been concerned about cleanliness and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, if you are, you can't cut the budget for, for you know... Trash pickup and trash cans and things like that. Because we do know that a lot of New Yorkers subscribe to broken windows theories where it's like if they see trash, they feel the city is. You remember when he first got elected, we talked a lot about that, sort of just like the visuals of yeah. the city. But I do think like as far as a branding piece, because we know that this mayor thinks about these things quite a bit. I don't know who on his team specifically does this. But like shifting it just from public safety for certain people who are like, oh, you know, you're obsessed with migrants and creating narratives that migrants are ruining the city. But if it is people, public spaces, and 
wait, public people, people public spaces, public spaces, public safety, public safety. Okay, and prosperity. PPS, um, PP. <laughs> I'll try to figure it out. Um, but if you're putting people first, then that is a narrative that I think um, is a progressive type narrative where it's just like we care about the people of New York now. You need to make sure that the people of New York, we talk about this, adding in another P, perception. Like, the city is relatively safe. Shootings on subways aside. But, like, it is relatively safe. Safe, you know, sort of post-COVID or whatever it may be. But that doesn't matter. And mayor knows this. That doesn't matter if you're going into an election year swiftly next year. The perception is the city is not safe. And so I think there's the reality perception piece that this mayor is keenly aware of. And it doesn't matter if you're putting people first, if the people feel like you're not. Yeah. I mean, working people first was his, sorry, Howard, just working people first is his um, motto. We will get more of that messaging in his state of the city later this month. Oh, God, is it next week? What day is today? I don't know. Um, In my brain, it's still January 1st, 2020. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) I know. I, I think this is... I don't know. I don't. Sometimes I don't know what's strategic, what's not. Um, I will say one other point. Sorry, Harry. It's been interesting listening to his messaging about libraries. When we went through this last spring, the budget dance, libraries were going to lose money. The admin, of course, in their little way, started leaking, which we all know, right? Like, well, you know, the libraries are crying poverty. You should see how much the head of the Brooklyn Public Library makes. What about the head of the New York Public Library? What about the head of the Queens Public Library? Look at their, they got Stavros Niarko's name on everything. That guy makes so much blah, blah, blah. So, and the mayor brought it up again yesterday. And almost like in a classic, like, pardon my millennial or Gen, uh, Gen Z use of the term gaslighting, asked about library service. He said, you know, we, they asked all the systems to take cuts, all the, you know, the three library systems included. He's like, you know, we thought that their cuts were just a little too much. They chose to potentially cut Saturday service. So they should look in their endowments. Now, we all know endowments have certain mm-hmm. regulations tied to them. That's not how they work on their operating budget. Do you think Tony Marks at New York Public Library makes too much money? Okay, I guess, right? But it's it's some of these deputy mayors, not all of them. Some of them probably make too much money too, depending, you know, looking at what they do. So it's been an interesting thing to look at. Like, you cut their budget. You told them, you direct them to cut even further. And then you're sort of saying, oh, we thought it was just awful that they might close Saturday service. So we told, well, yeah, because you told them to. So it was, as you said, the Grinch and Santa. Um, Part of the library dance always is that there are these three separate systems and they all have pretty well-paid leaders and then like a group of administrators. And could there be some consolidation there? Probably, but a few people would lose their jobs and and each system is vested in, you know, its present operations. So in this dance, it's always we're we're cutting money, uh, but why is the library system then punishing the public? And again, this is when the mayor says that it's confusing. It's like you told the libraries to cut money. Yeah. We don't have Sunday service anymore. People understand that. All the rest of this, you know, um who, who runs which system, all that, like eh. It, that's that's in the weeds, but it's a threat that, that he likes to put out. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and that's the difference with this mayor. It's like, are these promises or are these threats? I also think that, you know, I wrote an Amsterdam News column. That's a little shout out to Queen Latifah. That was just for you and Katie. Um, <laughs> so I, I wrote an Amsterdam News column about this a few months ago because I actually did not 
know the difference. And I did a little just digging between the NYPL, which represents Manhattan, Bronx, Staten Island, Queens PL, shout out to Dennis Walcott, and then the Brooklyn PL, which is totally separate. And, you know, they had their big Jay-Z hate geography, um, which did bring in, to be fair, you know, I'm not a Jay-Z fan, but to be fair, brought in lots of money and new visitors and new members to the library. I didn't realize these three separate systems all have to go to the mayor uh, with their separate tin cans to sort of jockey for goods and resources. And just reminding our listeners, it's like, we keep saying library, but the libraries provide way more than just books. I mean, for some people, it's their only access to the internet or COVID information slash COVID tests or AC in the summer or, you know, sort of games and resources for kids. I mean, our public library system is one of the sort of great hallmarks of how we are a, a democracy or a democratic republic in a lot of ways. Want them Wi-Fi. I want to go back to peas for a second. All of the mayor's budget responsibility is basically Tim Pearson, former cop, longtime friend of the mayor, put his hands on the uh, neck of a uh, shelter employee character, uh, you know, finding ways to spend less on migrants. Uh, notably, look, the city council months ago said these these projections are overly pessimistic and this isn't a good and honest way to budget. And now the mayor says they're overly pessimistic. Uh, Brad Lander has said you can spend more smartly on migrants and with fewer of these emergency contracts. And now suddenly having, having said, you know, Lander, Lander is a, is a progressive fraud again and again. Why, why doesn't he go to Washington? Adams is finding ways largely through Pearson to get a, some of these savings. But to me, the P of the week is percentage. Uh, Eric Adams, 28% approval rating. That's really bad. And these cuts were really unpopular because it was libraries. And by the way, there are three systems, but the reason you don't understand that is your card works in all of them, right? So from a user perspective, it's not a thing. You can go to a library in Staten Island, me, a Brooklyn guy, or Chrissy, a Brooklyn gal, and like use your card. And Wait, don't you need right. a separate card? No, the, the card works at all the cards work citywide. You can take your Queens Public oh, Library. Oh, because I had card. to get a separate nipple in New York Public Library card. Um, I think you can get a card, but like I was under the impression because then I use it also, I you know, for the Libby app. I got a Kindle like six months ago. I welcome to like 2007. And I use both systems, but I thought, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. With a lot of the online stuff, this gets trickier and more annoying. Yeah. So I had to deal I with this with some, newspapers.com. Yeah. But, I'm but. Sure, if, if we're wrong, trust, we will be told. <laughs> I won't be. They'll just email Harry. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> huh? uh, Katie, Katie, be, be, can we take a second here? The mayor's defense fund. Shout out to previous mayors. Shout out to Bill de Blasio and his unpaid several million dollars still due to Kramer Levin from his pioneering defense fund that Adams has appreciated. Shout out to Mike Bloomberg, who, as Chrissy was mentioning, changed the law so he could get a third term because he said, I'm the only guy who could save New York City from this crisis. And then as soon as he got that permission to run again, it's like, things are great. Uh, You know, I'm doing a wonderful job. Uh, then why'd you need, why'd New York need you to have this third term? And now Eric Adams, who's got his own defense fund, Mike Bloomberg has put the maximum $5,000 into that 
uh, which you know will cover four hours of uh, of Adam's legal defense uh, if it comes to that. What's what's happening here? What's happening with this FBI investigation? All of these questions with Adam's fundraising, and at the same time he's he's raising for his campaign. You just want to take listeners through through a little of this because there, as you said, there's a lot going on this week. A lot. So. Yeah, we were, I mean, looking at two filings yesterday, right? Because obviously there's always stories in the donors, the city and a lot of other places of, you know, you see who's given what and how and who, and maybe there's straw donors, whatever. So yesterday also his end of 2023 stuff, but also his LDF, or I'm sorry, the COIB called it Legal Defense Trust. Greg Smith was calling it to us Legal Defense Fund. Released it around, I guess it was like four or five, I forget. Um, And looking, you know, there's a lot of limitations and there's, much more regulations on who can give to the legal defense trust than just a regular fundraising. Um, it was interesting, and we're kind of going through the names now and who they are and who they can be and cross-referencing to see if they had donated um, to previous campaigns. I I just find it interesting as someone who doesn't have $5,000 to just give <laughs> to anything. I'm fascinated by who would give and why? And I'd like to find out, you know, and I would effort today to find out, like, what is your reasoning behind? Mike Bloomberg, obviously, $5,000 of Mike Bloomberg is like nothing, right? It's literally a penny. I think Jeff Colton did that math. He said, look, and I understand this, right? Like, you want the mayor to succeed, right? This is, and even someone was saying, why would they get ahead? You know, because some of the names were released before, and it, it seemed like, why would they go ahead with this to release it? It's like, his legal team, Vito Pitta, his lawyer— their th- messaging is, and I would do the same thing, I guess, the FBI is looking into us. Yes, there are these inquiries, but I believe in my innocence. And in order to properly prove that innocence, I need the right legal team. And t- to that, I need money. And the mayor has said frequently, he said yesterday, like, people started calling up as soon as he launched this. They said, how can we help? Um, because they believe in him. They know his lifetime of public service as a police officer, as a Brooklyn as state senator, Brooklyn Borough president, now the mayor. And the bottom line is people want the city to do well. And everyone wants that. You know, even the evil reporters that the mayor might think is, is out to get him. We all want the city to do well. And, and it's hard for a city to do well if, you know, the mayor is facing accusations that he can't properly fight back against because he doesn't have the money to pay for legal representation. So, yeah. But looking at the list, you know, I'm just looking, let me open it up now. It's, I'm just so interested in people's motivation. It's people from, you know, mostly from New York City, but I see a West Covina, California, um, Duluth, Georgia, a lot of names that you're trying to figure out what's their motivation to give $5,000. Again, for some people, it's Henderson, Nevada. For some people, it's not that's not a significant amount of money, but I'm always curious, like who was the intermediary here? And there were a few people like Frank Carone um, was involved in fundraising assembly member, Jennifer Raj Kumar of Queens, who herself gave to both his reelection campaign, thousands of dollars and to his legal defense trust. These two have and, a very and Eric Adams. Do you and know what's Eric up with that? <laughs> he, Eric Adams gave himself a thousand dollars, I believe. And then $20 separately. I would, I would you give uh, Harry to your own I defense fund? Yeah, Harry, I would give you $1,000 in the Harry Siegel Legal Defense Trust. You too, Chrissy. Um, thank That's you. That's legally binding, Katie, when this comes up. Do you guys take credit cards? Because I get the Well, point. I mean, like, um, well, you all know I don't like carte blanche statements because I'm like, well, I mean, it depends on what we're defending over here. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> Harry. Yeah, I right, put it out there. Like, 
But I mean, um, but is this, Katie, is this one of those things where some people just always, they know that a person like Eric Adams will remember who his yes. friends or people who were friendly to him. So it's like, I literally want to be on the list so that if he emerges victorious, he sees that in his time of need, I was a friend, whether you're from Duluth, Georgia, or someplace in Nebraska, and who knows, you know, how long people's financial tentacles are. It could be something very minor that, you know, they have in front of the city, or it could just be people who want New York City to thrive for a host of reasons. Um, safety for when their family travels for, you know, holiday. I don't know. Of course. Yeah. And, and but I think obviously there's people want to give because they want it to be remembered that they gave. I don't know if yeah. there's, I don't know the process. No one's ever called me up and asked for significant money for something like this. So I don't know if they, if it's like a soft lean, if it's like a, hey, if you have it, give. If it's more of a pressure, if it's, we're going to beat these accusations, mayor's going to get a second term. He always remembers who helps him out. I don't know. And obviously you kind of try to glean from people's professions. Oh, do they work in real estate? Are they develop Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they can possibly get out of it. Um, I mean, a legal defense trust, at least a fundraiser, right? If I'm giving money to a fundraiser at like Roosters on the Bay, at least you're getting food. You want With a little pig a blanket. Right. Like I want a little like, prosciutto platter. I don't want a little, you know, you're getting nothing from this. Except for the mayor knowing yes. that in his time of need, you were there. Exactly. Which is, which is to some people, that's better than a pig in a blanket. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, before you came on, Katie, I was asking Harry, I was like, Bloomberg gave $5,000. And I forgot that the limit was 5000 because literally that is, you know, I mean, that's like me giving you a quarter and saying, have a great day. And <laughs> But I think, you I'll know, Bloomberg's, Bloomberg is invested in his legacy being, conti- you know, continuing. He's invested in this city thriving because, let's be clear, if the city descends into this hellscape that, you know, the mayor sometimes talks about, like, that makes it harder for Bloomberg to make money at the end of the day. So I'm I'm just, I'm curious to see how this list grows um, over the next few months and who's added and how many New Yorkers are added because I always find the... Um, the local versus national donors to be a fascinating list. And and it's going back to Bloomberg, and I just very quickly, you know, Bloomberg was also blocked out of City Hall for eight years under de Blasio because de Blasio, I mean, after, you know, at his inauguration saying it was like a plantation, he wasn't really welcome there. So what you yeah. see, obviously, with Adams is an embrace of Bloomberg and then an embrace of some of his people. Um, you know, we see... Th- Yesterday, the mayor announced this sort of fiscal management panel, um, a group of six people who are going to advise the city on its fiscal decisions, but which I kind of thought was their job. I joked it's sort of like I have a panel of six people who are going to write stories for me um, or at least tell me what I should write about. So that a lot of the people had a lot of Bloomberg overlap there as well. And are these paid individuals? Because, I mean, I remember this story about all these folks who have these special jobs and they're making six figures. This is just an advisory? Yeah, and it was was at the um, request or behest of the Partnership for New York City, Kathy Wilde's organization. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, these are business leaders. Elders of New York types and uh, Martha Mm -hmm. Stark and things like that, you know. I don't have any particular objection, but the timing of it is is a little funny after uh, all of this uh, yo-yoing and okey-doke about whether we have more money or less money coming in. And oh, by the way, you know, these people, he just announced this thing, but he also said they've been advising him for the last few months. So so I'd love to know what they've been doing. 
Yes, six weeks or so. Yeah. And I guess you could also say, isn't that your job? Isn't that the council's job? Isn't that the IBO's job? Um, I don't know if this will be a panel that's going to say your decisions are great no matter what. Or or if he makes decisions that are unpopular, he could say, don't blame me. I just spoke to the panel. Or is this a panel that says, here's what we like. Right. So this is our advice. And we also have been in this rodeo for a minute. So, like, here's some decisions you can make that coincide with, A, what we like, but B, will help you get reelected. Like, I mean, listen, I'm not, I don't mind people having various sets of advisors. Like, I, I like the fact that, like, you're getting different information from different people. It's just how much weight does this panel have? Is it purely symbolic? Or do they have an outstretched, um, disproportionate uh, level of influence because the mayor is pretty soon. We know the conversations are only going to be about re-election, so like that's when people start making decisions based purely on re-election chances and not necessarily the good of the longevity of the city. Yeah, Katie, we're moving toward a big close here, but real quick, shifting fundraising now. How's the mayor looking for twenty twenty five? Right, and with all these questions about the straw donors to his 2021 campaign, the Legal Defense Fund, and so on, as he's raising money, trying to fend off uh, potential challengers, uh, we've got that filing. What's what's the score? Well, he's raised a little less, and I think the timing, when you see the money started slowing down around early November, which coincides with the rate of his top fundraisers home, who, by the way, Brianna Suggs was paid significantly um, for the first six months from these filings, or the I'm sorry, the, the the last six months, which is you know probably to seem like a lot of money. Um, I I guess the the fundraising slowed. He already has a lot of money, more money than anyone who would challenge him. But yeah, I don't know if it was the people didn't want to give to his reelection campaign um, after this FBI investigation, or their dollars and their checkbooks were diverted and said to the. LDT, Legal Defense Trust. So, yeah, I mean, again, he has a lot of money in the bank. Now, now that we work at a nonprofit, it's like, wow, he raised how much money in a couple months? It's like, can they work for, no, just, just kidding. We have great fundraisers. But you know what I mean? Seeing that number, like $700,000, I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. Um, and just see, but again, obviously it's it's different animals. Um but yeah, I guess that's, I just think he's fine with the fundraising. I don't think money is the issue for him when it comes to re-election. So we've not brought up Bob Menendez. We're not going to in any length here. But this is the other Northeastern Democrat who has been targeted and now charged for a second time by the Justice Department, by the Biden Justice Department. Uh, Adams, of course, there's an investigation. There's no charges or allegations of wrongdoing at this point. Um, but he just put in a legal filing arguing that everything he did is totally legal. And that's half the, the Constitution prohibits considering the motivations of of uh, senators or uh, or House members. Um, and half that the Supreme Court had this McDonald decision that uh, basically defined public corruption down. He says between these two things, there was absolutely no case here. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, the Southern District has been very ambitious in going after uh, wrongdoing here, and the courts have consistently sort of pushed back on what they found. And so when you're talking about Adams proving his his, his innocence or whatever, the, the, the weird thing about that is this is all nebulous. Like, you don't know until these cases actually get charged. 
and then go through the courts and then get appealed. Um, Sade, for our, our smooth operator, the question, <laughs> is it a crime? Right? We actually don't know. And I bring that up because I learned today, or probably more accurately remembered, that is it a crime is actually a real New York song. Um, my love is taller, taller than the Empire State. Mm. Isn't Sade's 65th birthday was yesterday? Wow. Did you know that, Harry? No, no. Happy birthday to uh to Sade. She's uh Listen, don't she's it. she's lived life the right way where you have all this talent, you put stuff out, and then you go and live your life, raise your family, do your own thing, and Mind then do business. it again and just just remain <laughs> uh, uh awesome and on your own shit. God bless. F-A-Q. FAQ NYC is part of The City, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting journalism that serves the people of New York. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to support our work is by setting up a monthly recurring donation by going to thecity.nyc slash give. As ever, FAQ's work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc. The pod also receives support from PT Knitwear, an independent bookstore, cafe, and event space on Manhattan's Lower East Side, with a podcast studio that can be freely reserved for community use. The podcast is a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists, and is affiliated with the Colin Powell School at CUNY City College, where I am one of the Moynihan Public Scholars inaugural fellows. Our hosts for this episode were me, Dr. Christina Greer, Harry Siegel, and Katie Honig. Harry Siegel is also our executive producer. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be cool, be warm, and we'll be back soon with more.